0: Keep on keeping what you love you'll find that someday, soon enough, you will rise up, rise up, yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an amazing guest here with me today, Dr. Stacy. How are you?
1: I am so good and I'm so happy to be with you today, Pam. This is going to be fun.
0: Oh my god you're such a rock star on so many fronts and I can't wait to get into your story and all of your amazingness that you're up to and my opening question is always you know what inspired you on your journey to where you are today loaded question I know (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, it's an important one. It's an important one. Well, first, I'll say that I love this idea of the underdog. and what does that really mean, right? Like what does it mean to be an underdog? And I would say it's it's people who have typically been underestimated in their life and in some way, shape, or form. And for me, that the the moment that really sticks out for me was when I was in high school. I was an average student. I wasn't, you know, a great student or whatnot. I was pretty average. But I remember thinking, like, that my potential was pretty limited and that I just wasn't going to really amount to much. I'll give you an example. I took three years, three years of typing classes. So for for my sophomore, my junior, and my senior. Now, first of all, like, who even has typing in in maybe a semester-long class, right? So three years of clerical classes. Wow. Three years of typing. And I was on this track to be a, a secretary, essentially, right? And that was what my experience in education was really how, how I felt. My my GPA was probably, you know, I, one of my probably my best posts that I ever had on LinkedIn was my high school transcript. Where I show my high school transcript, and people are like, oh my gosh, like, they're like, you're a doctor, but you have the, yes. So that's kind of where that inspired me to say, like, I can show people I'm more than, I can be more than a secretary. That didn't happen right away for me, but it certainly was in the back of my head that people underestimated me.
0: Oh my God. That's crazy, right? Cause they look at you now and say, she's a doctor. Like, there's no way that she, you know? Right. So in that moment, Right. Like when you were feeling underestimated, you were just like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to do it.
1: If you could go back to your 19 year old self, like what would you say to your 19 year old self? It was I don't know that it was as intentional or as conscious as I would now right, have known. But to say, I'm going to show you've underestimated me. Or I'm going to show you in some way, shape or form. And sometimes it was maybe not in the. um best of, you know, most PC of ways that I'm going to show you, whatever that might have looked like, Uh, certainly in some of my, even in my high school classes, there came a turning point for me where I really got into this, I am going to push myself and see, test the limit of my intellect where I feel like people had underestimated me. Probably the reason why I ended up going into education. You know, I started my career as an English teacher. I think it had to do with really wanting to show students and have a classroom environment where I knew how I felt in high school. And so I did not want kids to feel like that. You know, I can say that now, looking back on my life and be like, that was really what it was about. And I could see how I wanted to to make that difference. Yeah. But certainly it it's been a journey to now.
0: Right. But I love that you went against the grain from day one. You're like, you know what? I'm more than a secretary, like totally. And you're just like, I'm just going to keep plugging forward. And then to get into the educational space, I think is even more brave because you're like, oh, so I didn't do so well here. So I'm just going to, yeah. I'm just going to become that. And it's like, you're, you're redefining those standards, which I think is so cool.
1: That's a great way to frame that. Redefining those standards.
0: Totally. Right. Because of what you were taught, maybe you were just, you learn differently. Right. Like, not everybody can sit in a classroom all day long and learn. Some people are visual, some people audio, some people it's better when they write. I mean, it's like, and that's why the school that, you know, we can talk about all day about how the education system is broken, but it's like you can't hold everybody to the same standards, right? Like, for me, standardized testing was like murderous. I could study for days and weeks and years, right? For SATs, take all the prep in the world, like, after school, sit for hours trying to train. And like, no matter what I do, whatever what I did in high school for get ready for these SATs, I was scoring below average, what was reflected in my score in the SATs, I should have had like a 2.0 GPA. But I was almost a 4.0 kid. I just, when I went to those tests, I just blocked out. Like I just anxiety and I just, I tried to do different test methods and like all these things, but it just goes to show you that like brilliance doesn't come from one grade. Right. Just like how I tell people, I'm like, your weight is not defined by the scale because you have all this muscle that you don't even, you don't know how much that weighs like in your system. Yeah. You feel good. Okay, yeah. great. Then that's yeah. what matters. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: And your value, your worth, your value is not quantifiable, or your inte- even that in that case, your intelligence to some degree. It, that's one number on one day on one test. And to reduce somebody down to that one super narrow way of thinking is just, it's not fair. It's not indicative of who we are as human beings.
0: Right, right. And that's what drives me nuts. I'm like, yeah, you can quantify it to an extent, but not to judge a person because you know some some kids really get down on themselves when they're not all on straight a's or or whatever and it's like you know you have a kid who probably do horrible straight d student in school but then he can go out and go into the trades and just be like a master perfect example of that is my brother kid could not sit to school like he hated going to school and he just barely tried he just like it wasn't it didn't flow to him he's a genius when he tried right But he was like C's, D's, whatever. And then you put, we put that kid through trade school and he was top of the class for everything. That's right. I believe it. He goes into, he's, you know, because they're very visual in the trades. He went in and he's like top of the class with carpentry, plumbing, like every single trade. He was at the top of the class because he could see it and he could do it. Meanwhile, in standard school, he was like considered like a reject. And I'm like, I could never do what he does. I can't watch things. Dumb like right. that. I'm like, no, no, no I need a step by step analysis, but that's my learning type, right? So I just think it's so cool how you, you know, you were like, well, no, I'm just going to do this my, my own way and redefine it. And I think it's so amazing. So amazing.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, you got to and I graduated high school in 1992. Okay and it was very much i mean our students today even right it those who are in their 20s 30s that it's a very different experience i mean we legit i remember this is this is just you know remember the Coolest thing I got. There was no such thing as cell phones. There was none of that. This was so cool when I was in high school. I got a landline in my own bedroom, right? Because at that time we had landline phones. And so to get a <laughs> landline, a separate, right? Because you, you had the household phone and everybody flied two sisters. So, of course, what did the girls do? Wait, wait. Yep, yep, yep. So I was the oldest and I got a landline phone. I mean, and now think about where we're at and just the, the level of change just that I've seen in my lifetime. As a Gen Xer, you know, people like we really have not had any significant pandemic, 9-11. We've not lived through it. We've, we, and we're pretty the easy generation for the most part, truly, really, right. right? So I'm really lucky in the sense of I didn't have maybe those societal things per se, but the challenges that I had were all internal challenges that I had to overcome. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what's harder, you know, dealing internally with yourself. Or, dealing with stuff outside of you, but it was certainly an internal struggle for me to get to where i'm at now
0: absolutely and so, in your early years like who who or what was it that that inspired you the most
1: yeah I'm really thankful for the women mentors I had throughout my life and career. I mean, obviously my mom, right? Starting just from my mom being a um, strong woman. She was a nurse. Towards the end of her career, she started her own business. And I just watched her show up and do the hard, and right? Raise three kids. And then I was really lucky to have a, a female, my first teaching job. And nobody was... Hiring student teachers at that time, right? There was no teaching shortage. Like I was an English teacher, we were a dime a dozen. And I emailed, personally emailed. I, I took a map. This was before Google Maps. I mean, this is how crazy this is. I took a literal paper map, laid it out on my living room floor, made a circle within about a thirty-mile radius of my home, thinking, like, you know, I had I had a baby at the time, and I was pregnant with my second, and I thought, how am I going to do this? And so. Put out 30 miles, I could drive, figure I could go 30 miles. And I emailed every principal. I found every principal at every high school, whether I called or wrote a letter or sent an email, because that was still back in the day where not everybody was really, really capitalizing on email. And sent an email, and this female principal, who eventually hired me that following year, as after I soon taught, like clutch. Came in at the end. I got something for you. It was 20 minutes from my house and it was a, a higher poverty minority student body. And the lessons I learned that as a white woman who grew up with white privilege and not knowing what I didn't know, right, for whatever reasons, that was very defining. That changed me. That changed me in huge ways.
0: Wow, can we talk about that a little bit? You know, like what yeah. the biggest like aha moments and for you of inspiration?
1: Yeah, I'll never forget the student. His name was Richard Wright, and young black man, young black man, and he would struggle, and he was smart. I knew, I knew, I could see the potential, the talent, the the way he was writing, the way he could clearly articulate his thoughts. And, but he needed a little extra help because he'd missed school or whatever. I'm like, you need to just stay, just stay after, just stay. I will help you. You need more one-on-one. Let's, you have so much potential. And I kept bugging him, right? Cause I don't, I'm just thinking, let's just, on, let's do it. Just stay, I'm going to help you. Finally, after like the third time, he's like, miss, I just can't, I can't, I can't stay. And I'm like, no, no, no. You'll take the activity bus. I got it all planned out. I'll probably even would have drove him home. Who knows, right? Like back in those days, I'm, I'm willing to do anything for my students. And, uh, he's like, miss, no, I can't activity bus doesn't drop us off where the real bus stop does every day. It's just like a shortened route and I have to walk home and it's not safe for me from that bus stop to my home to walk. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like I've been kind of mounding you and bugging you to be at, show up, show up. I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll help you. And then when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay. Plan B, no problem. Come on your lunch, come bring your like and and just helping this, these students who didn't, I mean, just making that assumption that no, you just take this other bus and it'll be fine was so beyond my limited understanding that until I started hearing students' stories and understanding the true struggle that our students are facing really kind of changed my, the way in which I approach teaching and learning. Oh, wow.
0: And and that's insane to think about, right? That in this day and age, that that's still a concern, an innocent kid who hasn't done anything in this life. And they still have to have that on their head and worry about it, which like breaks my heart still, because you know that that still happens today. Kills me. But sometimes, you know, just like you, and, I, and I've had moments like that too, where, you know, you're like, yeah, hey, hey, you're pushing someone, and then you don't realize like what they're going through internally. Or what's going on with their family or, you know, one of my most favorite quotes is, you know, be kind because you just don't know who's going through what struggle.
1: You don't know what battles they're facing. Like, and and kindness costs us nothing. It costs you nothing to be kind to the person checking you out at the grocery store. It costs you nothing to wave on the car who's at the stop sign so they can go ahead of you. That, those little things they don't cost you anything, but the return on that investment that you get because of that, yeah. and you don't do it because of that return, right? The return is just, is just the law of return, right? But, right. but that's how we show up and operate. And it, it really does. It really does make a huge difference.
0: It totally, totally does. And now I have to ask you, Dr. Stacy, too, what did you want to be when you grow up? I wanted to be a teacher, we played really? school,
1: yeah, yeah, we played school we my dad, my dad was a um building engineer for Chicago Public schools, so he ran the boilers and the heater and all that stuff, and he'd get all the junk because you know the the building the warehouse you you get rid of stuff, so he'd get all the either the old books or the old like back in the day, they used to have like these card boxes and all the stuff he'd bring home like the little chairs and desks we put in the basement and I just I pretended I was a teacher my sisters and their friends would be my students or you know and that's I guess I'm one of those people that kind of knew although I I don't define myself necessarily as a teacher as much but I guess that's really what I am I teach people and it just happens to be today in the form of a podcast and tomorrow it might be a clubhouse room you know that's Mm -hmm. might look different.
0: That's so funny. And every time I ask this question, it's just hilarious how much it actually correlates with what they're doing now. Like, it's so insane. Almost every single person that I've interviewed and they asked them, what do they want to be when they grew up? And somehow it translates to what they're doing now, which is bizarre, no matter the age. Okay. Like it's, yeah. Bizarre. And I'm like, this is so cool. But you see how life comes full circle and it's not. If you ever
1: have those moments, do you remember, like, I don't, I don't know. I remember in high school at one point sitting where you have to like pick your classes and you have to like plan and then, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to be? And I remember sitting with my mom and it must've been maybe around junior, senior year. And I remember her saying to me, what do you want? Well, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And I'm like, I mean, asking a 16 year old, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. That's, that's such a lofty, I mean, that's such a heavy question. It seems so, so heavy. And I remember saying, well, I want to be an expert. This is what I'm saying, it's like, I want to be an expert and I want to dress up nice, I want to wear nice clothes and I want to talk to people. And never did I, I remembered saying those things but I didn't remember thinking it would be teaching, right? Like, and and so I went into getting an English degree because I was good at reading and writing and I had a sophomore, te- this is true, I had a sophomore English teacher, and I have the paper, who wrote on my paper, my essay, I wrote my sophomore year, wrote, this is a college-level essay, you are a remarkable person. Wow. And those two things legit became the reason I was able to pursue and think about going into English and then, and then switching it up and getting my teaching certificate.
0: Isn't that amazing? You know, it's always those little cheerleaders in your life that like really push you to the next level. And there's something to be said about when somebody says to you, you know, you can do this, but like genuinely mean it. And you're just yeah. like, wait, what? I can like, yes. What? Right.
1: Because that's the key. We, he, here's what that teacher so beautifully and profoundly did that he did not even recognize was that he, he, validated the skill I had, right? Mm. Which was to write a college level essay. I needed feedback that I was good at something. That's the first thing. But then he did the second step, which we can't forget to do, is he validated my humanity that I'm a worthwhile person. Mm. And those two things in tandem, right? Those two things in tandem help us become and grow and evolve.
0: Oh my God. You hit the nail right on the head you know, we're humans. We crave the human connection and to be validated and to be part of something that matters. That's right. And that's like, you know, when, when those cheerleaders do that for you, it's like, it's just opens up a whole new jerk. You're like, well, I can do this. And once you have that confidence, you're pretty much unstoppable for yes. me. For me, my cheerleader was my dad, you mm. know, my dad was like, Pam, we're like seven years old. No, I'm like 10 years old in the car with him. He's doing pizza deliveries. And he's like, you know, Pam, you know, you're going to grow up. You're going to be super successful. No man is going to have to, like, you're not going to have to chase any man. They're going to chase you. You're going to be super successful. I'm like, you, you don't need anybody. You know, you'll be independent. You'll be a leader. You have, like all these things that I was like, yeah. Yeah so like my dad was my cheerleader right like and he still is I think. That's awesome. I you know so it's like but it but you, you don't realize until like years later and you're like holy cow like that person really lit this fire in me and and countless times that I've had those cheerleaders throughout my career too and it's just like and most of them were teachers and mentors and they're like the most coveted piece of society I feel like teachers (laughs) truly truly and genuinely because they have the potential to help change and to help uplift and you know not just educate but there's all these other pieces you know to it so like teachers have a special place in my heart because they just they just give their whole soul to you it's not just they're just to teach you they're there to like Illuminate you. You know, I don't know.
1: It is truly a everybody, most people, I would say 90% of teachers start out because they want to add value, help people find meaning, right? Make a difference. You hear that I want to make a difference. Um, They have a higher calling typically. And education, you know, is so important that we underestimate in the United States to have what we call compulsory like you are forced you know if you're be under the age of 16 you have to be in school like that is the law that is required you know it's not like other countries where you you could go and work on a farm or you could be in a field or you can like we say and it and it's a really important part of a democratic and just society right to to educate people it's, it's one of the most powerful tools we have but it's also one of the most difficult things because it's nebulous like your story, you know you weren't good at tests but maybe that's the thing that somebody else values or we the the narrative we've been told that your brother college for all it's not college for all education is there after high school after when you need it it can be accessed in different ways at different times so it's just there's there's a lot of complexities to it for
0: sure There absolutely is. And I mean, and through your journey and throughout education, sort of how, if you give us a timeline, like how did you start and sort of where did you start morphing into? Because I know you have quite an amazing journey throughout your education career.
1: Yeah. So I started as an English teacher and then I was always that person who, once you showed me, here's the path to success. And here's how you can grow in leadership, because I knew I was the teacher leader with my English team and yada, yada. And I was really, really early on into um, using technology in the classroom. Nice. So when my kids would get done, you know, that, this was before the days. This is how I'm dating myself. We would have taken entire classes to the computer lab. Because you couldn't create an essay, you couldn't type an essay, you couldn't turn in an essay. What we had to literally like, or they were handwriting on paper still. That was early on in my teaching career, and some kids were super fast typers and they were good writers. So I book out three days in the computer lab, and the lab time would or the kid would use a half an hour, and we'd have two and a half more days. So I came up with creative things. That was when blogs were just starting. Google Blogspot was starting, websites, and I'd have kids like make websites. So I got into that and they asked me to be a a tech, like an instructional technology coach. I was like, sure, I can do that. Then I went and I went back to school and I got an administrative degree. And I'm like, well, I think I could be an administrator. So I did that. So then I was a building administrator in a high school. Um, I supervised about 45 teachers. But the most interesting thing was how I got my doctorate because Mm. I never, ever in a million years would have guessed I would have gotten a doctorate. But I had a teacher in my master's program that said, if you can take master's classes, this level of class you're taking now, you can get a doctorate. And if you can write, you can get a doctorate. You have to write and do a dissertation. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I can do both those things. So I just thought, why not? And I found a program around instructional technology in education that interested me and I went for it.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that you asked that question. This is a very important question that I tell everybody. Why not? And most people can't answer. Seriously. Why not you? Why not you? You know, and I'm so glad that you you said the same thing. You're like, why not? I have this not? Somebody else has done it. Why not? And I love that you went into instructional technology, because that is where our world is shifting to. Right? 2013, who knew that degree would be so valuable? It's insane. And so how have you pivoted sort of, so since you got your doctorate, how have you sort of pivoted into that world? And now, especially with COVID, I'm sure you've pivoted yet again, you know?
1: It's the constant pivot, right? Um, I remember four years ago, so... In my current role as a director of curriculum and instruction, when I had started about six years ago, I came into the district I'm at now where about 8,000 high school students. And I remember saying to my team of social studies guys, I said, listen, I I know this can be done. We can do blended classes with like our required, our government, our U.S. history, like the things that kids have to take, but could use some autonomy they could take, you know, the class, but it's during fourth period and maybe they only need to meet Monday, Wednesday, and then Tuesday, Thursday, they could go to the library or stay home that day. I don't care. You know, whatever that might look like. Start late, leave early. And this was like where I'm at. People were like, what? What are you talking about? So I built a, a small group of teachers. I said, let's just try it. Let's just, you know, with some safety nets around us. And then we had built this program. The pandemic hit. We were ready. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. So there's a little bit of the, the cool thing about where we're at in, in technology and society is if you are good at recognizing patterns and seeing kind of trends, you can, I don't. nobody has a crystal ball, right? But you can start to make sense of where you think we're headed, right? And where you think we might be going and, and get in alignment with that. And so that's what I try to do.
0: I love that. So they started the program and then pretty much just everything went online.
1: Which is- yeah. And ironically, I had, I, I'm in Chicago and I had spent six months building an e-learning plan because we had been hit the past three years with total shutdown days because of snow and cold. I mean, negative 45. I mean, cold, cold days, extreme cold. And so I had spent six months building out an entire plan with the state, with the school board, with all the things that we would need. And when COVID came around and that March 17th, we going. I'm like, well, we've got the e-learning plan. This will be great. Right. Even if we need it for a week, I've built it out to the point where we can, we can pretty much implement. And then I was like, Oh, this is a little more than a week. We might need to reassess our plan because I predicted, but not to that level of predictability by any means.
0: Wow. I mean, that's insane. And you know what I always say, too? I'm always curious now with all this virtual learning. I'm like, are kids ever going to have a snow day again? <laughs> never. No, ever. Never. <laughs> nope.
1: Just, now we're virtual days. Seriously? We're full virtual day.
0: And that's why yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, you called me old, but I had snow days. You don't. <laughs> and X is like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, but,
1: but you know what they used to do? The reason why we want to do it is because I don't know if you remember, you do the snow day and they tack it on
0: in June. So your school year would go longer. I went to private school though, so they didn't tack it on, and I was like, like "Yes, you got lucky. <laughs> you got lucky." <laughs> it's so so it's so interesting to see how you you know how it sort of pivoted and like you know throughout the the pandemic, like, how has everything sort of shifted for you? Because now you're you're on Clubhouse and you've got all this amazingness going on in your world. So I mean, what I mean, what has sort of evolved throughout the the pandemic for you in this space? I had
1: started a a business in February of last year because I was doing a lot of consulting, coaching just in the education space. And I'm an educator at heart. I'm altruistic. I'm naive to sometimes a fault. And so I was giving away all my time, effort, energy, because that's what you do. I created this. I did this. Yes, we can meet all day on Saturday. Sure, no problem. And so I started a business in February, not really knowing what I was doing at all. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, oh, and then people started saying like, can you help us with our e-learning program? Can you help us with virtual remote? How are you building this? How are you doing that? And I was like, well, actually I guess I can help you. Um, and then you know, kind of morph from that, helping with education to helping women uh, because I have a really strong LinkedIn networking presence. So with my career in education and coaching, like as a leader, you're always in that coaching, mentoring role. I just kind of naturally shifted to, you know, being able to help and support people I'm on LinkedIn. And it's kind of just become my home, my home base. That's how we connected on right. LinkedIn.
0: Right, which is so exciting. And I love that you took something like education and made it your own, right? Because some people think about it. You get into the education space, you're kind of in this box, which is so not true, right? Yeah. Like yes. if you, you literally created a business in the middle of a pandemic in the education space. So like, yeah. Oh, right. Amazing. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's limitless truly, even if it seems like it's an industry that is very like in the box you know, they, they, they say that oh, education is not that innovate, you know?
1: Yes. Well, say. it's bureaucratic too. I mean, there's so much politics and bureaucracy
0: Right. Oh. I just love that you did that. And so what have been sort of your, your biggest challenges throughout your experience and what advice would you, would you give based on those challenges?
1: Personal challenges for me as, as, a, as a woman are as I'm, as I'm moving in this space of business, I'm really good at what I know what I do in education. And I know how to live and own that space. But talk about like what you do being an entrepreneur i'm like i have no idea it is like ground zero learning level zero like really getting in there but what is really cool about making the shift from not shift but you know venturing into a new category if you will and entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. is that being a little bit older and having experience i can quickly like if you say an a b testing or if you say something business related I can be like, okay, here's what we do in education, and here's how we—I'd run that through our organization. Okay, that's what they're talking about there. We'll just make that happen here. So, but like, the learning comes quicker. That makes sense. I love it. So, but the challenges are still the challenges are imposter syndrome. Frankly, like, can I do this? How do I do this? What if I'm not good enough? What if people don't like it? What if people say bad things about me? I mean, all those that real like that. I have doctor in front of my name doesn't mean all those thoughts go away or you you don't have to face them anymore. That's not true. You do. You probably actually have to face them more because people think, oh, you're a doctor. You should know this. Don't sound stupid when you show up or, you know.
0: Right. No, same thing for me. You know, as I expand into new territories, you know, because now I'm being called from real estate to the empowerment role and I'm like digital marketing. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It's like you're slowly learning (laughs) as you go, but you just got to keep got to keep going, right? Like you just got to keep that confidence to keep going. And the same thing for you, even though you just launched your business in February, keep rolling. Like you deep down, you know what it is. You figure it out as you go. Most people think like, oh, I have to start a business and know it all. Like, no, you don't. The best way to be is to be open-minded and just like soak it all in because then you really learn and how you can pivot and maneuver your business to, in a way that makes sense. Because how are you going to know otherwise, you know, but if you're I- minded, you you're not going to be able to shift and thus your success level. So I just think it's, it's all correlated, which is, which is crazy, but yeah, imposter syndrome. I agree with you, you know, cause some people are like, yeah, Pam, you know, your nine figure real estate career. You, might. I don't know. There's days that I'm still like, you, you still question yourself, but then you get into, you have to like train your mind to be like, you've done this. Yeah. You know, you've, you've done this similarly before. You've gone through challenges before. Now you're just going to pick up and you're just going to get through this challenge again, you know? Yeah. You, keep going, keep yeah. going. We're human. And that's what I love is like, you know, we're always going to go through things no matter what. Right. So I, I love your honesty with that to be like, Hey, just because I have a doctorate next to my name doesn't, doesn't mean anything. I'm still human. Right.
1: I'm still human. And I still have to say to myself, what's the worst that could happen. Right. That question. I don't know if you ever use that, but that question what's the worst that could happen today? Well, my internet goes out or I say something that isn't great. And you're like, oh, we edit that or it's okay, your internet went out. Like, what's the worst that could happen on this? And, and that tends to help reframe, right? And, and keep us. And the other thing I'd say is meeting people and talking to people like you right? Finding others that you aspire to be like, or you know, they know something that you don't know, and being humble enough to ask. I mean, I know when you and I talked, what I appreciated about you was I was like, can I ask you a question? Like, sure. And you were just very open and transparent. And you were very willing to be open with me. And you didn't, I mean, you know, you knew me from connecting and my content and your content, but that's golden. You can't replicate that. You can't get that anywhere else. So I, I feel like you know, just having a community of people that you can go to is really key. And and what you're doing is, is a beautiful thing here.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Stacey. I love it. I love it. And I mean, in your mission, like, what are you up to now in, in your world? Because there's so many exciting things. And I know you're only going to continue to elevate and keep crushing it with all your amazingness. So what's yeah. new in Dr. Stacy world?
1: <laughs> Thank you. Well, this will be the first that I'm announcing this. I've actually started a podcast. It's called the Ed Up edge. And I'm a little edgy. I don't know if you've noticed that I'm a little edgy and that's okay. Cause you know, we get to embrace who we are. So just really interested in ta- similar to what we're doing here, talking to thought leaders, right? Cause thought leaders can be anybody. Everybody's and everybody's a learner and everybody, most, almost everybody has something to say about public education in the United States or learning in general, right? So to be able to have a, a, a space to be able to talk to people about what they're learning and how they're growing is is going to be really fun. And I'm, I'm excited and looking forward to that.
0: Amazing. And then in, in the professional realm of like your business, is there any new, new updates or new pivots that you're sort of expanding into new worlds?
1: I got LinkedIn. I got Clubhouse. I coach, I, you know, coach and consult with leaders who want to grow. So that's super fun. I and mean, most of my clients come from LinkedIn. And, and here's what's interesting to me. When you're in that what you're calling like the transformation or empowerment. I don't know what the words are for me. Here's what I know. When I meet with you, I know you and I can hear your heart and I can see what you can't see. And I can see the gifts you have, the talents you have. And as a teacher, I can see where I need to chunk it for you. So mm-hmm. it's not too overwhelming, right? That's the secret sauce. And so I'm i am working with some clients on just helping them grow, whether you, know, you want to build some strategy for their organization or for their own professional strategy. Their own personal brand. And then I'm starting really just a small group of connected women. So, like the things we're talking about right here being able to say, like, I feel stuck today, or I feel I'm challenged, we're doing a book, we meet on Sundays. Like it's, and it's been all organic. It's not, been hugely like i'm just taking action and trying things with what i feel is right in my heart
0: i love that you're so amazing dr Sis. you're so amazing and and now where can the world find you and your amazingness so
1: my main space is linkedin so dr stacy gonzalez it's gonzalez yes. Um, But you know, find, you can find me on LinkedIn and Clubhouse. I'm at Dr. Stacey. So those are my two main. I've got some Twitter. I got some other stuff, but my all my social media stuff isn't built out in any huge way. So that's my main platform right now.
0: I love it. And then the last question, which is my favorite, favorite, favorite. What would your older self tell your younger self? You touched on it a wee bit in the beginning, but I was like, I want to save the best for last.
1: Oh, that's a great. That's the best question ever. I would tell her. I would say to her, listen, it's going to be scary, and it's okay. The fear won't kill you. Press into the fear. Stick with it. It won't last, and it won't kill you. So go with it. I love that.
0: I love that just to be fearless and just keep going and just keep keeping that person who was like, no, I'm better than a secretary. I'm beyond that. And look at you, doctorate. You go doctor. Sure thank you. you. Thank doctor.
1: you. Oh man, this was this is good. Thank you. It's so nice.
0: Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Stacey. You are such a gift and I'm so pumped to see what else you bring to the world and how your business transforms and, and your podcast, how that's gonna go. And I'm just pumped for you. So thank you so much for being here today. The only dream
1: I have is my own.
0: So that's it for today's episode of
1: Underdog.